0: Once again, we want to welcome you. As I said, we are starting a new season. We're in the Lenten season. And as we do that, our new series will be a Jesus-shaped life. It picks up where we've been heading for for a while. It actually picks up where all of Christianity is headed. How do we live a life that looks like Jesus? How do we how do we fit into if you were going to take who I am or who you are and match it to a form of Jesus would you fit in to that? And the the, the fact of the matter is, uh, no, <laughs> we wouldn't. We we have a brokenness a part uh, that's a part of us. It's called sin. We all are affected by a a fatal disease called sin. It 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 uh, it it bends us it perverts us it misshapes us every every moment of our life is a battle of trying to <clears throat> walk in the light instead of in the dark but according to the scripture that is not who we have to be because of who Jesus is because of the love of God because of the grace of God we don't have to be victims of our sin and our sin nature. There is a greater calling and a greater purpose. We can. We can become shaped like Christ. We can live a Jesus-shaped life so that 's where we 're heading in in this uh, series. Uh, those of you that are doing the reading uh, the, hopefully that 's going to going to tie into that. Our, our Wednesday night talks are going to be around that. I am not going to regurgitate everything that 's in the book. Um, I hated that when I went to college, and the professor would just read his book to you uh, and charge you ridiculous tuition costs for that. Right, I, I'm not going to do that, uh, but but there, uh, I'm going to highlight some of the themes in that because all of this is stuff that we need to to work on over and over and over again. How do we take our misshapen, broken lives and and have them formed more in the image of God? If you go clear back to the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis we're told that while God made everything beautiful and made everything good, we are the, the part of creation that he placed his image in. It's only in human beings that his image is placed. What that means is that there is a part of God in every one of us. There is a reflection of who God is within us, tarnished by sin, marked by sin, dulled by sin, but the hope of the gospel is that through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, and through the grace and love of the Father, that that image can be reshaped and repolished and shine forth in the world around us. Too many times in our world, we, in our view of Christianity, we stop short at the moment of accepting Christ as our Savior. We talk a lot about forgiveness of sins and we, we recognize that we are sinners saved by grace. But I think there is much more to the Christian life than just being forgiven of our sins. Jesus taught Matthew 5.48, be perfect as my heavenly Father is perfect. And I don't think it was God just holding a carrot out in front of us that we're never going to reach. I think that, in fact, Jesus showed us that it is possible for a human being to live a life of perfection like our Father in heaven. Now, we are probably a long ways from that. But let's not settle for the easy excuse of, oh, I'm just a sinner.
1: Because, frankly, that's wrong if you belong to Christ. Let's look at Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. Well, then, should we
0: keep on sinning? so that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace?
1: Of course not. Better translated, hell no. Since we, that that is a
0: closer translation than you think, but since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have we forgotten that when we joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we also joined with him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin, but now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Thanks be to God. By the way, if you're looking at the bulletin saying that's a different passage, that's called pastor privilege. I changed my text. We've got several of them coming, but um, so what, what? What we're talking about, what this whole study about, is is if you want if you want a religious word, a, a, a Christianese word, it's it's holiness, right? Holiness. That's becoming like Christ. God is holy. He's perfect. He's shiny. He's 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 white light. He's he's everything good, holy, and we are to be holy as he is holy. But throughout the years, many times what we do with the word holy is we turn that into behavior modification and behavior practices. But doing the right thing for the wrong reason or doing the right thing, and we're going to talk more about this on on Wednesday, so I'm not going to go too far here, but behavior antics is not what this is about. This is a change of heart. It's a transformation of a life. It's not simply I didn't go to the bad movie or I didn't smoke a cigarette or I didn't whatever else. That's not what holiness is about. Holiness is being transformed by the power of God, dying to sin, living for Christ and sharing that with the world. That's holiness. That's what this book is aimed at. That's what our Christian lives are aimed at. It, it, while we are sinners and, and only saved by grace, our, our sinful life has a new injection of God's power in it. It no longer has a hold on us. It no longer has authority because Christ conquered death. And because we're connected with Christ, we, we don't have to be the victims of our sinful nature any longer. Sin and death no longer have a hold on you. There is a new life of freedom available to us if we will give God access for that. If you are doing the reading, day four, he has a little outline of four truth statements. I'm going to use those truth statements and sort of uh, reflect on those and build on those. The first one is, if we want to live a life of of holiness if we want to fit our life into the Jesus shaped life right if we want that to form who we are then we all need to recognize that we are in need of deep spiritual healing deep spiritual healing every single one of us we we cannot move forward until we understand where we stand in relation with God let's go to isaiah
1: Chapter 6, Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. This is the call of
0: Isaiah, his, his experience, his vision of the throne room of God. It was the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two eyes, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet, and with two, they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with His glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundation, and the entire building was filled with smoke. And then I said, It's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Thanks be to God. In order to move forward, we first must understand that we need a deep, spiritual healing that we are broken that we are dirty people with dirty lips and filthy hearts this picture of isaiah as as he sees the throne and he's high and lifted up and his train filled the temple and there's smoke in these celestial beings that that go against being able to put into words in this awe and majesty and glory and power that just emanates from that. The The most amazing thing you can picture being in the presence of. And soon as Isaiah realizes where he is
1: and what is going on around him, he says, I am undone. Shoot me now because I don't belong here. I don't belong here. I am a I am a sinful man. I am I'm broken. There, I have no right to be around God. I am undone. His recognition of the distance between who God is
0: and who He was. You have a similar experience in the New Testament as Jesus is beginning His, his, uh, his ministry. And as as he's calling disciples, he's he's giving a talk. He uses Peter's boat to get out from the the crowd and give a talk. And after the talk, he says, Peter, let's push out from shore. They go out and he says, throw the nets over. And Peter says, we've been fishing all night. There's no fish here. He says, throw your nets over. He throws his nets over. They are filled beyond his imagination. There's other guys swimming to help him. And it's about there's so many fish. And as Peter looks at the fish and turns and looked at Jesus, he had the same experience Isaiah did. He recognized the power and authority that he was standing next to. And he said, Jesus, you need to get away from me. You don't want to hang out with me. See, if if we want to start this journey toward holiness, you first have to understand who we are dealing with. Too often in our culture, we, we move, we move away from the fear and trembling of God. And I get that there were generations where that's all the church talked about. And, and there's so much more to the love and grace and kindness and generosity of God. If God is for us, who could be against us? He's not our enemy. But at the same time, we've moved into this casualness in our relationship where we move immediately into Jesus, my buddy and Jesus, my friend. And we forget that Jesus, my buddy, and Jesus, my friend, is the Lord high and lifted up, almighty and powerful, filled with glory and majesty, that is
1: better served pointing a finger at me and frying me than anything else. I am undone I'm broken
0: i don't deserve anything he does i don't deserve i don't deserve
1: a thought, let alone the fact that I can say prayers to you, and he hears them and responds. That he walks with me through my life. That he's willing to accept me beyond
0: what I've done for him. See, in our, in our ego-inflated minds, in our, in our egocentric world, we, we can fool ourselves into thinking that we are co-equal with Christ. And then you miss the mystery and the fascinating thing about the gospel, the power of the gospel message
1: resides in the fact that God, high and lifted up, invited me, sinful, filthy person, to be in relationship. Folks, we could spend 40 days reflecting on just that. Because until we get
0: that, the rest rest loses its edge. It's not about how many times you came to church. It's not about what a good person you are. It's not that you've never killed anybody, so you don't have that going for you. But it's not about behavior modification. It's about a holy, powerful, almighty God with all power and authority who is beyond our imagination. That In Scripture, the looking upon Him causes death because He's so other than. He's so, he's so transcendent from who
1: we are. That, that God wants a relationship with me. We need a spiritual healing and it begins like an AA meeting. I'm David and I'm broken and filthy and I desperately need the Lord. I'm undone in his presence. Second point. We are accepted by grace. We are accepted by
0: grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It is by grace that you are saved. And this is nothing that you can do or earn. It's not by your merit. It's by by what God has done so that none of us have time to brag about it. It is an act where God on our behalf intervenes on our behalf. Nothing we earn, nothing that we deserve. This is why we need to understand the gap. This is why we need to understand the holiness of God. This is why we need to be undone in his presence because that undoneness leads to the fascination and the gratefulness and the thankfulness that, who am I, God, that you're even mindful of me? David wrote in the song because he was so undone by his knowledge of a holy God who continued to love him even
1: when he did stupid things. He's undone, but it's by grace that we have been saved. For God so loved
0: the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believed in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That God who is high and lifted up instead of just holding us at distance put on our filthy humanness came to earth and lived a life of sacrifice. He demonstrated for us it is possible to live a holy life with human skin on. He demonstrated for us what it looks like to love and care and be God in the world. And for
1: that, He was whipped and beaten, humiliated, smashed, stabbed, thrown in a tomb and then raised from the dead and waiting to come back to rescue us. To make everything new in His kingdom. It's by grace that we have been saved, which means at the foot of the cross, the ground's even. There's none of us
0: that get an elevated view for for the work of Christ. There's none of us that get a little step stool well, the rest of you, you know, you're, you're lucky to be here. But isn't it, isn't it strange that as human beings, we love grace. We love grace as long as it's about us.
1: But the minute you offer grace to somebody on the other side of the aisle, or the other side of politics, or the other side of religion, or the other side of the track. For the other side of the world, well, they don't deserve that. Well, neither did you. Which again,
0: is the amazing thing that none of us deserved it. All of us deserve death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift
1: of God, the grace of God is eternal life. That's, we are accepted by grace.
0: And a lot of times we stop there. Okay, you're accepted by grace. Therefore, your sins are forgiven. You're you're good now. You get to go to heaven, you're good. And this is what our whole last series was about. But it doesn't end there. It just begins there.
1: You're accepted by grace, just as you are without one plea. But God loves you too much to leave you there. Now, the restoration work begins.
0: You're accepted by grace. You're also transformed by grace. Point three, you're transformed by grace. He doesn't want to just forgive your sin. He wants, to re, he wants to change your heart, change your life, change your desires so that you become more like Him, so that your, your life is now a sacrifice and glorifying to Him, that you're moving into partnership with Him instead of staying an enmity to Him. Again, you're never going to get there. There's, it's always going to be grace. Always going to be grace. In this thing with Isaiah, it was God initiated. Everything is God initiated. Isaiah says, I am undone. I, I, I have filthy lips. The seraphim uh, the, gets the coal from the altar with tongs, touches it to his lips and says, your your sins are forgiven. It was, it was from the altar of God that forgiveness came. Jesus is our coal that makes us holy, that pays for our
1: salvation. We are accepted by grace, but we're also transformed by grace. We are moving toward perfection.
0: The reason I am a clergy in the Methodist church has nothing to do with Methodism.
1: Methodism. (laughs) Don't anybody send this to the bishop, but... The theology of the Methodist movement, the Wesleyan theology, the theology of
0: grace, in specific, is the reason I have given my life to this, to this vein of Christianity. It just resonates with my soul. Wesley had a way of talking about grace in this broader spectrum than had been understood before his time. He 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 had different names for it. Provenient grace, justifying grace, sanctifying grace. All one grace, but the way God sort of lives that out in our lives and we live our experience with Him through that. Provenient grace, that grace that goes before, that grace that is not earned, that grace that is there even when we're not aware. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That grace that is constantly waving hands at us saying, Hey, I'm over here. I love you. There's a better life. There's a better way. Did you see that sunrise? I did that just for you. That little grandkid you had with the perfect fingers and toes, I did that just for you. Not just so you could have a grandkid, but because I want you to know that there's something more powerful than you, than you and, and biology in the world. Provenient grace of God. That when He gets our attention, then then He he begins the work of, of saving us, of changing us. My sinful nature dies with Christ, is raised again with Christ. And that's not anything... The justifying grace of God means I'm made right with God, not because of who I am, but because of what Jesus Christ did on my behalf. Being nailed to a cross. And dying for my sake, being raised again. That is the payment He paid for me to have a different life. That's justifying grace. And again, we, we tend to stop there, but that going on to perfection, that becoming shaped in the image of Christ, that refining of, the, of, of, of God's image within us, that's sanctifying grace where we now... We now fit for the kingdom, have the power through the Holy Spirit where He begins to change my mind and heart and the way I think
1: that I reflect Him more. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Verses 12 and 13. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was
0: with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you,
1: giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Work hard to show
0: the results of your salvation. That thing that Jesus did for you on the cross is meant to do more than just be something we reflect on. It is meant to, to change us. And the way it changes us is when we begin to use it and work it. I know it gets confusing. It seems like this weird uh, a conflict of you're saved by grace. It's not your actions, but do some good things. And and and, and it baffle, it's baffled people about Christianity forever. But it doesn't matter how many good things I do, they're never going to earn my place. Grace is always going to be the biggest mover in this situation. But what Paul is reminding us of is that even in my sanctification, even in my working it out, His Spirit is working to change the desires of my heart. The very things that lead me astray, He's working to change inside of me. Again, it's His act
1: on my behalf. Working it out. Exercising it. Anything of value we work for. We work for a lot of worthless things all the time. But working it out.
0: It's like if you went to the doctor and and you had a disease and he gave you some medicine and said you need to take this every day and you said okay and then you put it in the drawer and never took it. And then you go back and complain that nothing's happening. In order for the medicine to work you have to ingest it. And in order for grace to work you need to put it into practice. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Again, that that gap of a relationship that don't ever get
1: over that. Don't ever get over that. This morning we're going to be sharing in Holy Communion. And I think it's a good setting for what number four is. Grace accepts. Grace transforms. And then grace compels me to go out in Jesus' name to others. This is a sacrament that
0: has, it has the elements of everything we've talked about today in this. That an almighty God who, does, who, who should have turned His back on us instead draw, drew near to us. And provenient grace. We, in, in the Methodist church, we have an open table. When you came in, we didn't make you sign a statement of belief in order to take communion. You don't have to show your membership card. We, we have an open table. Anyone who wants to come, anyone, anyone, it doesn't matter age, it doesn't matter background, if you have a desire to love God and to live at peace with your neighbor, you're invited to this table. That's the provenient grace of God. That even if somebody doesn't understand what we're doing in this, we believe that God through His power might be able to do something amazing in your life through this experience. Because it's God at work, because that's God's whole agenda is to work in us to draw us closer to Him justification we see i mean that's the that's the the symbolism of the juice and the of, and the bread where we're reminded that our
1: salvation was the most expensive thing ever it cost god his very son it wasn't easy it wasn't symbolic it was brutal painful ugly horrific We remember bread and juice as broken body of Christ and the blood of Christ. And then sanctification. One of the most important elements of a worship service is ascending forth.
0: It's not what we do here that matters. It's what we do as we leave this room and and salvation is is an invitation to the table and and it's a precursor of what we look forward to in heaven where holy 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 god in isaiah he couldn't he didn't just say and i saw the holy god it was holy 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 god because the it, it, His holiness is beyond our understanding. We're a holy, we look forward to the end when He has claimed us all for His own and made everything new. And we're gathered with the other believers in His presence and looking in His eye. And He's looking in ours. And we get to sing, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. But this
1: time we're not doing it with fear, we're doing it in rejoicing because we've been made like. And just as when we eat food, it gives us nourishment to accomplish our task, as we take these elements, it's meant to empower us to go be Jesus in the world. On the night in which you gave Himself up for us, the Lord took bread, gave thanks, and broke the bread, passed it around the table, and said, Take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Whenever you eat of it, I want you to remember me. And before you rush past that, just let it sink in for a minute. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, allowed himself to be broken so that you could be Then he took the cup and he gave thanks. And he passed around the table and said, drink from this all of you. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Whenever you drink of it, I want you to remember me. The blood of Christ. What in the old covenant, you brought a, a lamb or, or some other form of
0: sacrifice as a memento of your desire to live at peace with God. As, John, as Jesus began his ministry, his cousin John, after his baptism, pointed to pointed to the people following John and said, you know, you need to follow him. There's the Lamb of God.
1: There's the Lamb of God. That's the sacrifice that matters. It's through his blood that we are saved. Let's pray together. Come Holy Spirit. Oh God,
0: it is our desire not just to have our sins forgiven, not just to know who you are, but God, to be
1: transformed by your spirit. That you change the very way we think and what we desire in life, that those 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 base emotions and base motivations become shaped in your image We are so, we are so unworthy, we are undone in your presence but you love us so very much. God, take this bread and this juice. Make it be for us your body and your blood
0: so that we might be for the world your body and blood. Make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world.
1: And we look forward to that day when we are seated at your heavenly banquet table. and get to rejoice in all that you do. We pray that in the precious name of Jesus Christ, the one who taught
0: us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil.
1: For thine is the kingdom, power, glory forever. Amen. You take your little container, the bottom has the wafer, and as you expose that, the body of Christ broken for you. And if you peel back the Jews, the blood of Christ shed for you.